Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. Would you stand with me once again and turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 7, verse 38. John chapter 7, verse 38. While you are turning to John chapter 7, verse 38, I, I wanted to uh, remind you, please look at the bulletin again of the college outreach ministry. This is something new and it is going to be so impactful for our um, for our young people going off to school. We want to bless them and we want to help them. I certainly hope that you would uh, let that be a part of, of your, um, uh, your program. Make sure that you read that as well as the baptism. Look here, man, we've got, we've got a, a huge list of people wanting to be baptized. If you haven't been baptized, this would be the end of the month. This would be a great time for you to get baptized. You'll be in there with a group of people. A lot of folks are getting baptized and we're looking forward to it. I want to speak to you today on, um, on, uh, Jesus water stories. And, uh, uh, the more that I got into this message, the more I realized how, how much Jesus dealt with water. And water is something that uh, he used a lot in his ministry. And uh, in John chapter 7, in uh, verse 38, here's what the scripture says. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. Aren't you glad that we've been to the river? We've been to the river. We feel it. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Lord, thank you for what you're getting ready to do. Anoint us as we preach the word and as we hear the word. And let these stories of the word, the stories of Jesus involved with water, that it would have an impact in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Jesus uh, did a lot with water. In fact, he started out, now how many of you know that nothing was made without Jesus. In fact, he said everything that was made was made with him, by him. And, um, and so way back in the book of Genesis chapter one, verse two, uh, it started out and he said, let the dry land appear. In other words, he was saying, let the water move back and let the dry land come up. So he started working with water very early in the, in the scriptures. And, and then in verse seven, he did something else. He said, let there be a firmament. And, and, uh, Hebrew people believed that there was a shelf over them that held the water, but we, we know better than that. We just know that the hand of God put things in motion and, and, uh, water rises up. And then that right time it rains and we we get our crops uh, uh, watered and God put the firmament 
And, and also he separated the waters. He separated the waters on the earth. And then uh, he, he uh, in John chapter two, his first miracle involved water. He uh, turned the water into wine. That was his first earthly miracle. He chose to use water to do that. I find that kind of interesting. Uh, his, uh, he was baptized in Jordan by John in Mark chapter 1 verse 9. He was baptized in water. Now, Jesus, the Bible says, he knew no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He wasn't baptized because he was a sinner. He was baptized to make an example for you and I. And, and uh, as a result, he went to the Jordan River and said, John, baptize me. John said, I need to be baptized of you. And he said, suffer it to be so now. And John baptized Jesus. Uh, there was a place where Jesus took or asked someone if he could get onto their boat and he launched out a little bit from the shore or the shoreline, and, and there he preached. Now, here's the thing. The creator knew that water was a natural amplifier. And so when he was preaching to large crowds, he often used the hills because uh, the, the sound would travel off of the rocks, but he also would launch out from the shoreline, get on a boat, and he would preach to people. He used water as an amplifier. But he also, he took a basin at one point in John chapter 13 in verse 5, and he put water in it, and he washed the disciples' feet. How cool was that? The master washed the disciples' feet. And he said... Happier you if you do it. One of my favorite things that we ever do in church is when we have feet washing. Now I've had people say, now that is a gross thing. Can't believe anyone still does that. Well, I still do it. I still believe in it. I still get a blessing. If you haven't tried it, you ought to try it. You'll like it. Amen. Now, See, people don't have any problem. This is a little mini sermon in a sermon. People have no problem with doing communion. Well, communion was established at the same time feet washing was established. It was the same event, same time. So we like to pick and choose in our world. I like to just do what Jesus did. Jesus was baptized. I got baptized. Jesus washed feet. I washed feet. Jesus instituted communion. I do communion. If, if we follow Jesus, we can't go wrong. Can someone say amen? And then he chose a well to um, minister, and we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of this message. But all throughout the New Testament in particular, you'll see where Jesus was around water, where Jesus used water, where he made references to it. And so I want to talk to you about some Jesus water stories here. Now, Jesus, uh, oh God, uh, the Son, he, he was a uh, provider, always has been. And, and when he set the world in motion, he set the world up so that you and I could be provided for. He did that uh, at the very beginning and nothing has changed. Now, what, uh, not, nothing's changed on God's part, but things have changed on our part. 
we oftentimes refuse or reject the blessings that God has for us. You know, God was so good that he even said that he reigns on the just and the unjust. Do you understand what that means? God said, I, I'm going to bring rain for those who are Christians, but I'm also going to rain on the heathen. Because it's not God's will that any should perish. So God reaches out to everyone. He tries to show his love to everyone. But here in this instant in Luke chapter 5, verse 5, we see that Jesus was a provider. Now, Simon Peter was a fisherman. He was also a, a disciple of Christ. And, and, and the Bible tells us of a cool fishing story. Simon Peter had been fishing all night. Now, uh, there, there are people in this congregation that that would be no challenge to you. You could fish all day, all night, all week, all month. Amen? All right. We must not have any of the fishermen in the house today. But Peter had toiled all night. And I, I want you to understand, he had done his part. He did his part. There's a lot of people that want God to reach out and help, but they don't want to do their part. Are you hearing me today? Yeah, uh, God, I, 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 I need you to help me pay my bills, but we don't want to work. So let me, let me just go ahead and throw this on out there. If you don't work, the Bible says you shouldn't eat. Amen. Now, it's a difference of not having a job and trying to get a job. I went through a period of time right after I got out of college, I couldn't find a job. I mean, literally, I couldn't find a job. I even went into a place and applied and they hired my wife. And that's a true story. I was happy for her, but I was like, what's wrong with me? I want a job. There's a big difference of trying to get a job and not having a job, not wanting to work. But Simon Peter had done his part. He toiled all night. I, I, wanna, I wanna say, you have prayed. That's work. You're, have you really been seeking the Lord? Have you really fasted? Uh, you, have you really been into God's word? Have you tithed? Have you been faithful to God's house and, and God's work and God's will? Have you, have you followed and been obedient to him? Just recently, I read an article and, and, it, and it really bothered me. And I was sharing this with some minister friends of mine. But when, when I grew up, I told people that my, and, and this is true. Uh, well, I'm exaggerating a little bit, okay. But I, I, I said, my parents and us, we went to church eight days a week. And I'm telling you, oftentimes we went seven days a week. Now, that's not an exaggeration. And, and uh, uh, the new norm. Now, to me, uh, what, what I grew up 
being faithful attenders to church is when the door was open, you were at church. If it's morning, if it's at night, if it's Wednesday night, if it's Tuesday night prayer service, you were there. That's how I was raised, okay? I was kind of like the Psalmist David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Okay, that's another sermon. But the new norm of what is considered in America faithful attendance across the board, across the denominations is three times every two months. Three times every two months. Now, I, I just want to tell you, if I was just showing up at my house three times every two months, I just don't believe that there would be a warm reception when I arrived three times. Come on, amen. Simon Peter did his part. I'm asking you, are you doing your part? Are you doing your part to, to embrace God's love? Are you doing your part for the kingdom of God? Now look here, I appreciate the fact that people attend church, but you have gifts that God gave you and, and, and you should not be burying your gifts. Someone say amen. Oh boy. And, and so uh, if you play an instrument, you need to be making a beeline to Julia after church and say, I wanna play in the band. Hallelujah, praise God. I lift my hands, that'd be a good time right there, amen. If you sing, you need to be up in the choir using your gifts. If you teach, you need to see Brother Gandhi and say, I'm a teacher, I want to teach. If you're a worker, whatever it may be, it might be behind the scenes, but you need to do your part. Amen. Now the Bible says when you've done all that you know to do and you're still not seeing the result, just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand still, uh, quit trying on your own, just keep doing what you're supposed to do and let God open the door. Now how many of you have ever seen that when you finally gave it up, Oh, I'm feeling this now. When you finally gave it up and you said, man, I've tried everything I know to do. God, please, the door opened. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I, I just wonder how it is in the throne room of heaven where God and Jesus are talking and saying, man, I was wondering how long that hard-headed preacher, Al Sims, how long it was gonna take him to get out the way. I had the blessing prepared months ago, but he kept trying to do it his way. When he got out the way, boom, there it opened up. I just wonder today how many blessings God is getting ready to open up for you and for me. Come on now. But we need to do our, do our part. So you might say, I don't know anything else to do. And, and, and I've toiled all night. Now, I just want to tell you what kind of fisherman I am. Okay. Now, there's people who can fish all the time. Me, I'm just telling you, if you ever invite me to go fishing, you're not going to invite me after I get through telling you this. Uh, but, but anyway, if you ever do, if you get out and you drop anchor, I'm done. I'm ready to go. That's it. 
I do not like sitting still. You put me on a deer stand and tell me I have to stay there for hours. I would rather take my shirt off and you take a belt and beat me than to have to sit still for three hours. It's not in me. I I can't do that. And fishing, I'm going to cast, I'm going to give those rascals about three times. After the third time, bump them. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. I'm going to find a fish that wants the worm that I'm putting out there. Amen. That's just how I fish. And that's why I'm no good at fishing. I think I'm a better fisher of men than I am natural fish. Amen. But here, yeah. To God be the glory. But here, here's the deal. Simon Peter had fished all night. And, and so Jesus told him, he said, cast your net over on the other side. Now, Simon Peter said, Lord, we have toiled all night. In other words, I love you, Lord, but that doesn't make any sense. It's kind of like this. I'm the fisherman and you're not. But he asked him to cast a net. That's what the Lord is asking you to do today. Cast a net. Just keep casting it. You might say, well, I'm not getting anything. Nothing's happening. Nothing. I'm getting no return. But the Lord is telling you, look, you've been toiling. You have been laboring. You've been doing it your way. But if you'll just listen to me, I've got something. Why don't you cast your net? Now, what Brother Josh is doing is Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. And the evidence of things not seen. Every time he's casting out there, he is hoping to bring something in. Every time he might be getting the same result, but he is casting in hope. Some of us quit casting because we got the way fished like I fish. I'm going to give those rascals three times. And if they don't show up and, and bite the hook, then I'm gone. But keep casting. You got to cast when everything is going good. You've got to cast when everything is going bad. You've got to cast when everyone loves you. You've got to cast when you're hated among men. You've got to cast when you got bad news from the doctor. You've got to cast when the, the boss man said we might have to cut back. You've got to keep casting. You've got to keep casting. And when you do, something begins to happen. The woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, what was she doing? She was casting her net in faith, believing for healing. Listen, the Bible says, uh, give and it shall be given unto you. When we tithe and when we put money in the offering, what we're doing is casting our net. We're saying, I don't see the result. I don't see any fish, but I'm going to keep casting because he said, if I would give, it would be given back, heaped up, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You might be looking for a breakthrough. See, Simon Peter was in jail, but the church kept casting the net. They didn't see any results, but they kept praying. And Simon Peter was delivered out of prison. I'm here today to tell you, whatever you're facing, you might be needing a spouse. (laughs) 
If you're married, I'm not talking about getting rid of the one you got and getting a new one. <laughs> well, Josh, I had to clear that up. There'll be people come and get the net and say, hey, where? Huh? Keep casting. Can I tell you the greatest matchmaker in the world is Jesus? Amen. David and Melanie, stand up. When, when David was formed in the womb, God had a plan for him. He said, I know the thoughts I have towards you. <laughs> Glory to God. And then Melanie was formed in the womb brought forth a little baby and God was going, you know what? I'm going to bring these two together. I'm going to get them together. They're going to be happy. They're going to have children. Boy, are they going to have children? They're going to keep having children and, 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 and they're going to be workers in the kingdom of God. How, who put that together? Out of all the people in the world, out of all the women in the world, who was it? It was God that said, I'm going to hook them up. I'm going to match them up because God has plans for you. You might say, well, preacher, I hadn't found the right one yet. It might be just what you said. You haven't found the right one yet. Casting all your care upon him. If he, he cares about you. He cares about who you married to. He, he cares about who you're dating. He cares all about that. Why don't you just keep casting your net and say, God, whichever fish that you have for me out in that big sea and then the ones that God says that's not the right one uh oh now here we go you get it out the net you hold it up and say look at this look at this and God is saying throw it back And you're saying, no, I can brag on this one. And God's saying, throw it back. Isn't there a thing called a stank fish? Anyway, whatever. Nasty fish, throw it back. Might look good. Well, I do know this, what little bit I have fish. I caught this fish one time and they said, man, I mean, to me, I was proud. I, I would have mounted it. But they said, man, that thing is not good for eating. It's full of bones. You can't hardly eat it. It's got bones all throughout. It's very difficult to eat. And they said, throw that thing back. Throw that thing. Some of you have held on to what God has told you to throw back. Well... Yeah, come on. Amen. Uh, some of you still work in the job that God told you to throw back. Whoa, help me here. But it pays good, but, 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 but it, it interferes with your family. You don't have a family life because you, you kept, that, kept that old nasty fish because it pays good. My goodness, there's something more important than you having the largest salary. When you have a little children, you need to make sure that you're a mama or a daddy to those children. Someone say amen. I want God to bring a fish in, a job that is fulfilling and that pays you well and that it has a good schedule with it. Amen. And then 
Cast your net for overcoming habits, weaknesses, and sins. James said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Just keep casting the net and God will work it out, overcoming the habits that are hindering you. Your spiritual needs, why some people never receive from God. They don't receive their healing. They don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's because they cast one time. If God doesn't do it, then I'm done. Come on, come on. Y'all know that's true. Amen. We, are, we have plan B. I preached about it not long ago. Okay, I'll go up for prayer. If it doesn't happen immediately, then I'm going to try plan B. Why, my goodness, it's time for us to cast our net in faith and believe that God is going to supply the need. Amen. Keep casting. Keep casting. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Thank you, Brother Josh, for casting that net. I'm sure your arms are tired by now. <laughs> he was a companion. He walked on the water. Now, I, I love this story, and I'm going to tell this one very quickly. But uh, the, the ship was in the middle of the sea, and it was tossed by the waves. The winds were contrary, and, and, and that word contrary simply means against or opposite. So these people are trying to do good. They're, they're doing what the Lord told them to, but they weren't very good listeners. And, and I will tell you that there's been times I didn't listen to the Lord as well as I ought to, and they didn't. Jesus told them, go over to the other side. He went ahead and told them, go. When Jesus says go, he's made the provision. There's no storm, there's no winds, there's no problem that can keep you from accomplishing what the master has decreed. Amen. And so he said, go over to the other side and I'll meet you there. So he, he comes walking on the water. And, and the Bible says the winds were contrary to them. And, and so the, the situation was that Simon Peter now and the, the Bible says the disciples, the disciples, plural, saw him, but only one stepped out. So all these guys are in the boat. They look out. There's Jesus. But Simon Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come walking to you on the water. So I want you to get this picture that Simon Peter comes out of the boat and waves are still rocking. The boat was rocking when he got out. Just because Jesus was near didn't mean that there wasn't a wave. Just because Jesus was near didn't mean there wasn't a storm. It was still going on. Just because, look here, just because you became a Christian doesn't mean that there's never going to be a rocky boat, or a windy time, a, a, a storm in your life. There are storms that happen. But Simon Peter got out of the boat and he went walking on the water. And, and I just, I, I've got to tell you, he gets a bad rap because he went down and that wasn't good, but my gracious, you, you gotta give him credit. He walked, you gotta give him some credit. 
And then he, he, he goes down because he got his eyes on the storm more than he did on the Lord. And, and he started going down and, and he did what every sensible person ought to do. When you're facing the problem of your life, don't turn away from the Lord. Turn to him and say, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. And he did. And Jesus helped him. Now listen to this. Now, I just recently, this isn't new to me. Uh, it didn't come from me. I heard a preacher talking and they asked how many times did Simon Peter walk on the water? I said, one. They said, no, walked on, she said, walked twice. He walked out there, went down, and then Jesus got, lifted him up and he walked back to the boat with Jesus. So the second time he had a companion he was holding the hand of the one. He wasn't trying to do it by himself. You just keep your hand in the hand of the master and walk on the water and walk and see the miracle working power of the Lord. Someone give the Lord a big hand of praise. Would you do that? We're just about through. He's a storm calmer in uh, Matthew chapter eight, verse 26. Uh, he again told them, go over to the other side. There's another command. And, and they undoubtedly just didn't listen carefully. Go over to the other side. Now you would think that they got it before, but now here they are, the boat's rocking again. And, and they come to Jesus and, they, and Jesus is asleep. Jesus is asleep because he knows they're going to make it. But uh, the disciples were so intent looking at the problem that they forgot undoubtedly that Jesus was with them. They, they forgot undoubtedly that Jesus was on board. Have you forgotten that Jesus is on board? Where is Jesus? He lives in my heart. Well, as long as he's in your heart, you're going to make it, brother. You're going to make it, sister. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Someone hear me today. You're going to make it. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. There's no weapon formed against me would prosper, will prosper. So they came to him and they, they were negatives. They were negative. Lord, we perish. There's so many Christians that talk negative. I don't blame people for not wanting to be a Christian. We have more problems than they do. At least we talk about it more. And if you don't believe that, just look at Facebook. I'm being quiet on purpose. I want these to sink in. Tell everybody your nasty business. The time it takes you to write that negative junk and put it out for the world, if you would bend your knee and say, Lord, I don't know how to get this problem solved. I don't know how to work it out, but I know the God that has my back. I know the God that had 
plans for me before I was born. When I was in the womb, you had a plan for me. I'm not going to talk negative and beat the, the thing down. I'm going to say my God is able to, to help me. My God is able to deliver me. My God is able to bring me through. My God is able to make a way where there is no way. My God is not going to fail me, but we like to go, well, I can't. It always happens bad to me. It'll happen for everybody else, but never for me. It won't happen for me. I'm not good enough. I'm not able. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke that spirit right now. And I'm asking you to take up a, a positive spirit and say, with God, all things are possible. I'm his and I'm going to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Jesus said, I, why do you fear? Why are you so fearful? I believe if God spoke from heaven today, that would be one of the things he would say to us. Why are y'all so fearful when I have given you the kingdom? To God, hallelujah. I've given you healing, miracles, signs, wonders. I've given you the comforter, the Holy Spirit. I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you. Why are you so fearful? And he got up and he rebuked the winds and the, he rebuked the storm and things calmed down. And in verse 34, I think it is, they made it over to the other side. Now listen to this. There's a songwriter that put it this way. Stand with me. Said, so let the Storms rage high. The dark clouds rise. They don't worry me. For I'm sheltered in the arms of God. He walks with me. And naught of earth shall harm me. For I'm sheltered in the arms of God. Do you understand today these stories about water? He delivered everyone. He provided. He supplied the need. No matter what the case was, he took care of it. And why would he stop now? How many of you believe he's alive? Amen. How many of you believe he's still a healer? How many of you believe he's still a miracle worker? Now I want to tell you in closing, the very end of this story is this. There was a well encounter well, not whale, a well encounter. And that's where Jesus showed himself to be a renewer, a refresher, and a rebirther. He told his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. He got there and a woman came and he said, give me water to drink. And, and for those of you who have read this story, you'll remember. He said, the woman said, how is it that you, being a Jew, asked me, a Samaritan, for water? And he said, if you knew who was asking of you water, you would ask of me, 
And I will give you water where you would never thirst again. My heart today, if you haven't heard anything I say, please hear this. You know why people can get so calloused and hurtful and mean-spirited? That they can go into a Walmart and start shooting down innocent people? It's because they're dry. They're searching for something. What can, what can change my life? What can fulfill the yearning of my spirit? Listen, we have people who've tried alcohol. They've tried drugs. They've tried sex. They've tried money. They've tried friends. They've tried careers. And they still come up thirsty. They still come up with, there's got to be something else. Because the world can't give what they need. They can play video games until they become a master of it. And it's still, once they've reached the highest level, they're still thirsty. You can have accolades where you're known throughout the world and people can know you by first name. And it still not be enough. But he can give you something where you'll never thirst again. It, it's like this. Hear this. If he is messing with you right now, if he's tugging at your heart right now, he is showing you that he cares for you. Out of all the people here, he's, he's tugging on your heart. He's saying, I want to fill the thirst. I want to fulfill you if you'll give me a chance. I've told this many, many times, but I want to end with this. A guy who used to sing with Elvis Presley, and, and he was, he said he was in the, in the circle. Now what he meant by that, where Elvis was, the spotlight would be on him and there would be a spotlight circle. Very few people were allowed to be in that circle. Okay. But he was one that was in the spotlight with Elvis. And he said, he was at a hotel, I think it was in Las Vegas, and he was way up one of the floors and he was going to jump off of the balcony and end his life. And God dealt with his heart God came and filled the thirst of his life. He, he told me, he said, Elvis Presley gave me a card when I was hired. Uh, he, he said, get anything you want. He said, preacher, let me tell you something. Any kind of drugs I want, I had. Any kind of alcohol I wanted, I had. He said, women, 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 I had. I had fame. I was in the spotlight. I was traveling with Elvis. He said, but God dealt with me and I didn't jump out the window. The next day he went to Elvis. 
the big popular Elvis and he sat down in front of him and he said, Elvis, God has changed my life. I got saved last night and I can't keep doing what I've been doing. I can't keep traveling with you. And he said, Elvis had tears running down his face and said, I would to God that I was brave enough to do what you're doing right now. In other words, he was saying, fame, money, alcohol, drugs, the spotlight. It still didn't quench the thirst. But I'm here today to tell you, if you're thirsty today, you're yearning for something. The water of life is here. And he's ready to give you the water of life. I want you to bow your heads. God's doing something real special right now. I, I feel impressed to give. I, I want my altar workers to come very quickly. And I feel impressed to give a twofold altar invitation. One, for those who do not know Christ. You're, if you died, you know you'd go to hell. You know you're not a Christian. You know you're thirsty. You're, you're dying of thirst. You've, you need something to satisfy you. Jesus wants to save you today. But I also want to appeal to those who, life has just been tough. And you, you, you feel like that, You've been drained and dry and cracking and it's just, you need a refreshing. That living water is for both of those situations here today. Come on. While every head is bowed, please, no one looking around. If there's someone here today that would say, preacher, I know I'm not a Christian. I know if I died, I would not go to heaven and I want to change that. I'm thirsty. I, I'm thirsty. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Raise your hand up high right now. Come on. Don't be ashamed. I believe the Holy Spirit is dealing with hearts right now. I want God to change me. Come on. Raise your hands up high. Don't be ashamed. God sees the hands that are raised. Look here. I'm stepping down. Would you come? Would you come right now and meet me at this altar? Would you? Would you come if you're thirsty, if you're really thirsty, if you really want to change? Preacher, I can't hardly work up the nerve. Come on, heads are bowed. Would you step out? I had to make that walk. I did it, and, and it changed my life. Would you come right now? The, the songwriter put it this way, come just as you are, just as you are. That's it. That's how he wants you to come. Come just as you are. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. And I'm asking now if there's others that you would say, Pastor, I'm dry. Life has just dried me out. I, I just need a refreshing touch. I need God to show up and do something special for me right now. Would you step out? Would you step out right now? Come on, right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, let the refreshing touch of the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to come and give you living water where you'll never thirst again. Come on, right now, there's people coming. While people are moving, 
you make the move right now. Come on, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, Father God, let those who are dry, those who are weary, those who feel like life isn't worth living anymore, Lord, right now, let them come. And you said if, you, if they would come, that you would give of the water of life freely. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want those of you who would, if you'd stretch your hand toward these who have come to the altar, and we want to pray a special prayer right now, would you stretch your hand toward them? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.